How many of you uh, made it out to our Christmas in the Village this past Friday night? We had an awesome, fantastic time. You know, there were thousands of uh, people walked across our front lawn, and uh, we made thousands of pumpkin fritters, and uh, let me see, what else did we had? Oh, our worship team, our choir was out there, our home educators gave us a little uh, taste of what they're going to do this coming Thursday night, and they've been practicing since September. It's awesome. It really genuinely is. And uh, one other thing, let me see, what was it? Oh, yeah, our this Wednesday night at 6 o'clock, I think it's in our, our little, uh, uh, it's there somewhere. It's in our, uh, is it in here? No, it's not there. No, it's actually the other uh, little one, the, the, the weekly challenge. Thank you very much. On the weekly challenge, it says, sign me up for the December 6th, 6 p.m. Usher Greeter Dinner. That's this Wednesday night. You can have that once we're done. Um, but um, if, if you are involved in our Usher Greeter Ministry in any capacity, or you want to be, and all you have to do to be a part of that is to be a member or an attender. You couldn't be a part of it if you don't know about it, right? So, uh, but I would like to see all those who have, have served in, in the area of usher and ministry, and that, as uh, James already pointed out, if you're helping with the elevator out there in the parking lot on the sidewalks, because, you know, uh, you, you guys help us to show and demonstrate hospitality when people are coming in. And I just want to thank you. And this dinner is basically to have a time of camaraderie together, for those who are making a difference and those who want to make a difference. So if you've never been involved but you would like to, to be, please come to the dinner. But please fill out this little thing here because, I mean, if we have enough food for 100 and 300 people come, we're going to have to see a, a miracle of multiplication of the fish and the bread, you know. So if you're interested, please just fill that out on there and say, I'd like to come. That's this Wednesday night. We'll have a little sharing what we've done and where we're going as we're reinventing ourselves, you know, like Cumberland Farms does. Uh, if you all were here when I did that little thing uh, a month ago. Uh, so thank you for those who are serving and who are interested in serving and just showing hospitality to folks who come. Let me see. Is that it? Okay. So we started last week. We were talking about what? Friendships. Okay. And I'd like to kind of continue that theme a little bit this morning. And I'd like to look in Proverbs 27, verse 13. And it says, Yet I am confident that I will see the Lord's goodness while I am here in the land of the living. You know, not just when I, I pass on to be with Jesus face to face, but he says, I am confident that I will see the Lord's goodness while I am here in the land of the li living. And I really want to talk to you kind of, focus in a little bit closer in the aspect of friendship, but I want to talk about the power of oneness. The power of oneness. You know, the, the, the power of one person, if fearless and focused, it is absolutely amazing. One per person who's fearless and focused, absolutely amazing. But the power of many people working together as one is even much more amazing and powerful. So I'd like us to look at Genesis chapter 11, verse 1, and it says, 
At one time, the whole world spoke a single language. Everybody on the planet, well, if you go back to Adam and Eve, you know they spoke only one language, right? And then they begin to multiply. And it says, at one time, the whole world spoke a single language and used the same words. As the people migrated eastward, they found a plain in the land of Babylonia, and they settled there. They began to talk about construction projects. Come, they said, let's make great files of burnt brick. You know, it hardens them. And collect natural asphalt to use as mortar. Let's build a great city with a tower that reaches to the skies. A monument to what? What's that say? A monument to our greatness. Look how great we are. They didn't know that song about how great thou art, you know. But they were making a monument to our great goodness. And this will bring us together and keep us from scattering all over the world. But the Lord came down to see the city and the tower that the people were building. Look, he said, if they can accomplish this when they have just begun to take advantage of their common language and political unity, just think of what they will do later. Nothing will be impossible for them. See, unity uh, connects us with amazing power when people work together on something. Uh, let me read just verse 6 again out of another translation. It says, The Lord said, If as one people speaking the same language they have begun to do this, then nothing they plan to do will be impossible for them. And the King James Bible says, And the Lord said, Behold, the people is one. Talking about being united. And they all have one language. And, and this they begin to do. And now nothing will be restrained, which means held back. Nothing will be restrained from them, which they have imagined to do. United imaginations. That's what we're talking about here. To dream together. It's such a powerful powerful thing. One other translation says, the Lord said they are one people with one language. This is only the beginning of what they will do. Now nothing they plan to do will be too difficult for them. The power of oneness. And, and, and these folks were leaving God out of the picture. They weren't getting in agreement with God. They were just getting in agreement with other people. And uh, that's why God said, hey, we got to do something here. That's when the languages changed on this planet because they had left God out of the picture. Just imagine what two people, three people, a crowd of people can do when they get in agreement with each other and they get in agreement with God. There is such a powerful, uh, you know, demonstration when we are united, when we're one with each other and one with God. You remember what Jesus' uh, prayer, he was talking to the Father and he prayed that we would be one, that, that we would be united together? In, in the book of John, well, well, imagine if I had a handful of uh, little metal circles, how powerful are they? What if I connected them all together? Then you could pull somebody who had run down a ditch bank somewhere, you could pull them out with it. 
all those little individual metal circles make a chain when they're all connected together. And it's, it's, you call it one chain, but it's many pieces, and it can be extremely long and accomplish a lot of good stuff. Anyhow, John 17, verse 6 says, says, I have told these, Jesus is talking, it says, I have told these men about you. Now they know that everything I have is a gift from God. For I have passed on to them the words, the words you, Father, have given me, Jesus is saying. And they accepted them and, and know that I came from you and they believe you sent me. And my prayer is not for the world, but for those you have given me because they belong to you. Now listen to what verse 11 says. Now I am departing the world and I am leaving them behind and coming to you, Holy Father. That was Jesus as he was ascending to, to, to be with the Father. Keep them and care for them, all those you have given me, so that they will be united, one, just as we are. You know, the, and, and, and understanding the Trinity is not really that complicated, you know. The three in one, you know, they're united, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. The Bible says when a man and a woman get married, they too become one. Does that make sense? You know, they two become one. And, and uh, a husband and wife who really have matured and, and learned this, you know, uh, the kid goes and asks Mama, Mama, can I go over to so-and-so's house? And she says, no, you can't go. We're getting ready to have dinner. So the kid goes, hey, Dad, can I go over to so-and-so's house? A wise dad's going to say, what did your mother say? Because then there's unity, there's harmony. Or if he says, oh, sure, go ahead, and the mama comes in, where'd he go? Oh, I told him he could. I told him he couldn't. Well, see, there's not unity there, and there's a little discord right there. But the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are one, genuinely. They're, they're all going to say and do the exact same thing. Now, where was I at, anyhow? Oh, that was verse 11, wasn't it? You know, Jesus prayed. You know, that his, <clears throat> that his disciples would be one, that the disciples would be united. And that's really the key to the success of God's church here on this planet, you know, and, and, and that's where his power is released. But you got to understand our unity is a target for the enemy of our soul, what we call Satan, the devil. He targets. Have you ever felt like, you know, things seem to be going pretty good and all of a sudden some, something happens and you and, and, and your friend or your family are in a little squabble. You go, where did that come from? The enemy of our soul is always trying to cause discord because there is such power released in our lives when we are in harmony, when we are in unity together. Uh, let's pick up in verse uh, 14, and it says here, I have given them, this is Jesus talking, and he's talking about them as us. I have given them your word. You know, uh, let me see here. <laughs> it's just a little flashlight, so don't let it bother you, okay? Oh, I'm sorry. Y'all didn't bring your sunglasses today? Okay, I'll just do it up like that. 
It's, it's pretty bright. Oh, I'm sorry. I keep doing that, you know. Hold on a second. Listen to what the, the scripture says. He says, I have given them your word. Did you know the Bible says that God's word is a, a lamp unto our feet, a light unto our path? It illuminates things. It causes the darkness to, to, to move over, you know, to disappear. And Jesus says, I have given them, talking about us, he's talking to the Father, I have given them your word, and the world hates them. Now, you understand people who are in just the world, they're doing things in darkness, you know, kind of secretively, and you come over there with a light, and all they go, hey, turn that light off! Kind of like y'all said a while ago, you know. No, not, you, you really didn't do that. You were just trying to see. He says here, I've given them your word and the world hates him because they do not belong to the world just as I do not. I am not asking you to take them out of the world, this is Jesus praying to the Father, but to keep them safe from the evil one. They are not part of this world any more than I am. Make them pure and holy by teaching them your words of truth. See, the word of God, it continues to purify and it continues to unite us. We're reading the same book. We're, we're, we're living for the same God and it brings tremendous unity and there's power release there. And he says, verse 17, make them pure and holy by teaching them <clears throat> your words of truth. Verse 18, as you sent me into the world as a light, I am sending them into the world. That's you and I. We've been sent into this world as a light. And what does one little bitty light do? It does a pretty good bit. But what happens when you join all those lights together? Wow, you can see it a lot further away. It illuminates things. Verse 19 says, And I give myself entirely to you, so they also might be entirely yours. You know, so we would follow Christ's example. Verse 20 says, I am praying not only for these disciples, Jesus is 12, and those who were following him back in those days, but also for all who will ever believe in me because of their testimony. This was Jesus praying for you personally and for me. I'm praying not only for these disciples way back when, but also for all who will ever believe in me because of their testimony. Uh, it's really one of the last prayers that Jesus prayed before he was arrested. It says in verse 21, my prayer for all of them is that they will be one. And that's the prayer of Jesus for you and I, that we would be one, we would be united, we would be in harmony together because his power is released when we are united, genuinely. You know, there's a, hundreds of churches who lack this unity and this oneness and there's all kinds of disunity and discord that goes on in them and that's the devil targets that now, this is hard to believe but there are churches who have split and divided and went and built a new building and only had half as many members because of the way you spell Emmanuel there's a couple of different ways to spell it Actually, there's hundreds of different ways if you just want to do it completely wrong. Churches have been divided because how you spell Emmanuel, and churches have divided because they had an opportunity to buy chairs or pews. 
Now, whoever would want to buy a pew? I don't know why. <laughs> now, these are old chairs you have right now, but those have five inches of virgin foam. So you can actually sleep while I preach, you know. <laughs> but please don't. But who cares? As long as you have somewhere to sit down. You know, churches have been divided over the color of the carpet. I'm telling you the truth. Now, let's just say we're going to get some new carpet. All right? How many want red carpet? Raise your hand. How many want blue carpet? How many want green carpet? How many of you don't care what color carpet it is? <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm talking about. We just get some carpet, right? <laughs> it don't matter what color it is. But people get divided over trivial things like that. The devil targets us. Instead of us focusing on our God together and reading his word and just loving and, and being kind and patient one toward another, you know. So, uh, picking up in verse 21, it says, My prayer for all of them is that they will be one, just as you, Jesus talking to the Father, just as you and I are one, Father, that just as you are in me and I am in you, so they will be in us, and the world will believe that you sent me. Why? Because we're in harmony, because we are united, because we're one. The world will believe when they look at the body of Christ who, who represents Jesus. They'll see such harmony and unity. When we're fighting each other and dog-eat-dog -dog kind of a world, we're not being a very powerful witness for Christ, are we? But he says here, you know, um, so they will be in us and the world will believe that you sent me. As we're united by the love of God, the world will recognize the power of God to forgive and to save and, and all. John chapter 13, verse 35 says, Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. That's what Jesus said. When we love each other, it'll prove to the world that we're followers of Jesus. A united, loving church will access the supernatural power of Almighty God. A divided church is powerless and without effect. And I believe that God is looking for a people who love each other so much that they strive for unity and oneness where his will can be done in us. And not just our own, you see. Lord, what do you want us to do? Is what we would be asking. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 says, think of ways. Hebrews 10, 24 says, think of ways to discourage one another. Oh, hold on a second. Oh, yeah, okay. Yes. Uh, you know what? I actually, about six weeks ago, went and got me a new prescription of glasses. But I haven't got any new glasses yet. Just been so busy. But I should probably go maybe this week and get me a new set. What do you think? Who said that? <laughs> okay. But he says here, think of ways to encourage one another to outburst of love. And you know what the word outburst means? Explosions of love. He says, think of ways to encourage one another to outburst to explosions of love and good deeds. How can we encourage each other to have explosions of love? And see, love is only known by the action that it prompts. 
And then he goes on to say in verse 25, and let us not neglect our meeting together. You know, where we get together, we study the Bible together, we worship together. And let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage and warn each other, especially now that the day of his coming back is drawing near. And it's getting closer and closer to where we will see Jesus face to face. Picking up here in verse 22, John 17, it says, I have given them the glory. Jesus is still praying to his Father. I have given them, that's you and me, the glory, the presence, God's manifest presence. I have given them the glory that you gave me so that they may be one as we are. As we all focus on Jesus together, we will be united. Verse 23 says, I in them and you in me all being perfected into one. Then the world will know that you sent me and will understand that you love them as much as you love me. The world will understand that the Father loves them as much as the Father loves his son Jesus. That's what he's talking about here. It's amazing. That's absolutely an amazing kind of love. And when you and I are united and we're in harmony, with each other, and we can practice that in our homes and in our churches and in the grocery store. Strive, you know, at, at being united and being in harmony. The world's going to recognize, oh, there's something different here, you know, and they'll, they'll see and experience the love of God through our lives. 2 Timothy 2.24 says, The Lord's servant, now how many of you here this morning consider yourself the Lord's servant, okay? All right? Well, let me see those hands again. All right, there you go. All right, somebody just woke up. That's all right, though, you know. He says, the Lord's servants must not quarrel, which means they must not fight. They, they must not argue. They must not bicker and, and, and have strife between them. The Lord's servants must not quarrel, but must be kind to most people. Ooh, what about people you don't like? But you must be kind to everyone. And you know what being kind to everyone is? It's the evidence of maturity in your life as a believer. It's evidence of maturity is what it is. And he says, the Lord's servant must not quarrel, but must be kind to everyone. And they must be able to teach effectively and be, what's that word? Patient. patient. Don't y'all like that word, patient? <clears throat> and it says, <clears throat> And they must be able to teach effectively and be. Let me start over. Page one. Okay, let me read it again. And they must be able to teach effectively and be. That's my job. Come on. And they must be patient with. Difficult people. Now, I'm going to ask you a question here, okay? Now, don't look around when I ask this question. Do you know any difficult people? Don't look around. You're looking around. You're being difficult, I can tell, okay? But he says they must be, the servants of the Lord must not quarrel, but they must be kind to everyone. They must be able to teach effectively and be patient with difficult people 
And I'm going to ask you that question sincerely. Are you patient with difficult people? You know? You know? Think about that. Has God been patient with you? And many of you are probably difficult people. At times. I know I have been, you know. But God has been patient with us. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 1, it says, Therefore, I a prisoner for serving the Lord, and that was a choice to be a prisoner, a love servant, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling. For you have been called by God, and then he explains this, be humble, because humility, it brings unity. It brings this oneness, you see, in recognizing the value of each person. Pride, you know, the Bible says God resists the proud, you know, and uh, pride resort, uh, you know, the end result is discord. Well, pride is there's just discord, and, and it robs us of any power. So he says here, verse 2, be humble. God's called us to be, to be humble and gentle. And that word gentle means meekness. And meekness is a term that they use for training horses, to meek a horse. You take 1,200 pounds of horse, and you meek it, you train it, where this little petite young girl can get on the back of a 1,200-pound horse and put it through its motions, and it obeys her totally and completely. He's been brought under her control. Not that he's weak, but he's meek. And, and the Scripture tells us to be gentle, not weak, but to bring our strength and our wisdom under God's control. That's what he's talking about. Be humble and gentle. And then in Matthew eleven twenty nine, it says, Jesus is saying to us, he says, take my yoke upon you. And, you know, you see a big old ox over here and a young ox. You hook them together. They pull the plow. The young ox is learning how to pull a plow by being yoked up to the big ox. And the Bible says we're to be yoked up to Jesus. And the young ox learns when the big ox goes down to get a bite of grass, I better go down there with him. When the big ox gets a, a drink of water, you know, and the young ox learns from the old ox. And Jesus says, take my yoke upon you, that we're yoked up to Jesus. We learn. We're, we're a disciple. We're mentored through him, and then he goes on to say, let me teach you because I am humble and gentle and you'll find rest for yourselves. So he says here, he says, be humble and gentle and be, I don't know if y'all can see that verse or not, be patient. There's that word again, with each other. And do you know what patience means? Uh, you'll see it in other translations. It says, be long-suffering. Long-suffering, and the word suffer means allowing. Like for the King James Bible says, suffer the little children to come unto me. It says, allow the little children to come unto me. So long-suffering is God is tugging at your heart to, to change some ways, you know. He's tugging at your heart to change your ways. He's loving you, and he's blessing you, and he's tugging at your heart to change your ways. And he's long-allowing, and he's long-allowing, and he's long-allowing. <laughs> but just because he's long-allowing does not mean he is eternal allowing. You know, as we have matured and we've grown, and it's time for us to change some things in our life, and he's long-suffering, he's very patient with us, but we come to the end of long-suffering. He's not eternal suffering, you know, or eternal allowing. There comes a time. I'm going to tell you something. God is much more patient with you and me than we have ever been with another person, you know. Aren't you glad that he's been patient? I, I, I am thoroughly glad that he is, but he says, be patient with each other you know Romans 15 5 says 
God who gives this patience and encouragement may help you live in complete harmony with each other. If we're gentle and kind and patient, we can live in complete harmony with one another. To live in complete harmony with each other, each with the attitude of Christ toward the other. We learn to be Christ-like through reading and studying his word. But let me go back here and read again Ephesians chapter 4, verse 2. It says, Be humble and gentle, be patient with each other, making, what's that word? Allowance for each other's faults. Hmm. Has God made allowance for your faults? Has he forgiven you when you've gone to him? Do we make allowance for other people's faults? Or do we judge them or criticize them or complain or moan and groan and bellyache about them? He says here, if we're going to be one, we're to be kind and, and gentle and be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. The controlling force and everything that we do should be our love for God and our love for our neighbor to love them as we love ourselves. Now, which of these do you lack? Kindness, gentleness, patience, making allowance for other people? Well, then as we're maturing, we should really seek God and his wisdom to allow these things to be a part of us. So we've got to repent of doing it the wrong way and just ask God to help us to do it his way. Ephesians 4.29 says, Let everything you say be good and critical. I, I, I'm going to get some new glasses before long. Let everything you say be good and helpful. Does everything you say, is it good? Is everything you say, is it helpful to the person who's hearing you? He says, let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be a discouragement to, well, I'm, I'm sorry, that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. And let that be our goal. Let's read this passage again when we get home. Say, I really want to be that kind of a person that, that everything that I say is, is good and helpful. That it nudges people along. You know, if people are struggling already, why should I throw them an anchor and take them to the bottom and sink them, you know? Why can't I say something good and helpful and encourage them, those who are hearing what I'm saying? Now, I'm just going to hit it really, really quickly. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 2 and 3. We've already read it, but I'm just going to read it in one, uh, in one uh, quick blast here. It says, Ephesians 4, 2 and 3, it says, Be humble and gentle, be patient with each other, make an allowance for each other's faults, because of your love. Always keep yourselves united in the Holy Spirit. United in the Holy Spirit. And the NIV says, make every effort to keep the unity, the unity of the Spirit. Be in unity and harmony with God and one with another, you know. Uh, we just want to choose to be a peacemaker. A lot of people choose to be a peace breaker. But God blesses those who are a peacemaker. And we live in a fallen world, and it's hard work to build others up and, and to, to build unity and oneness in, into us. It really is. It's a choice. Now, Romans chapter 12, verse 18 says, Do your part 
I can't do somebody else's, but I can do my part. Do your part to live in peace with everyone as much as possible. Do your part to be at peace with them, to strive to have unity and, and oneness there. As I watched him tear a building down, a gang of men in a busy town, with a ho-he-ho -ho and a lusty yell, they swung a beam and the side wall fell. I asked the foreman, are, are these men skilled? And, and the men that you'd hire if you wanted to build? And he gave a laugh and he said, no, indeed, just common labor is all I need. I can easily wreck in a day or two what builders have taken years to do. And I thought to myself as I went my way, which of these roles have I tried to play? Am I a builder who works with care, measuring life by rule and square? Am I shaping my work to a well-made plan, patiently doing the best I can? Or am I a wrecker who walks to town, content with the labor of tearing down? Oh, Lord, let my life and labors be that which will build for eternity. Now, I want you to think about it for a moment. Are you a builder or a wrecker with your words and your actions? And if members of our family are not doing so well and we're always criticizing them, well, then we're helping to wreck them instead of speaking encouraging words and building them back up. I tell you what, if I'm down, I want people to be speaking building words to me, kind words, patient words, you know, gentle words, making allowances for my mistakes. Because it's going to give me hope and help me to, to move forward. So let us be builders and not wreckers. Listen to what it says here in Romans 14, 9. So then let us aim for harmony. Do you understand aim? Whether you're shooting a basketball or a, a bow and arrow or a gun or a slingshot or whatever, you're, you're, it takes aim, does it not, to hit the target? Can you just take a basketball and close your eyes and throw it up in the air and it's going to hit the, the basket every time? No. I don't think so. It takes effort to learn how to aim. And he says, so then let us aim for harmony, for agreement, for synchronization. Let us aim for harmony in the church and in our homes. Because that's the smallest facet of the church is, is our homes. So he says, so let us aim for harmony in the church and try, which means to make every effort, and try to build each other up. Even today, that's our homework assignment, try to build each other up. In 1750, when the British and the French were fighting in Canada, Admiral Phillips, the commander of the British fleet, was told to anchor outside Quebec. He was giving orders to wait for the British land forces to arrive and then support them when they attacked the city. Phelps' Navy arrived early, and as Admiral waited, he became annoyed by the statues of the saints that adorned the towers of a nearby cathedral. So he commanded his men to shoot at them with the ship's cannons. No one knows how many rounds were fired or how many statues were knocked down. But when the land forces arrived and the signal was given to attack, the admiral was of no help. He had used up all his ammunition shooting at 
the saints. When God calls on us to do something great for him, do we have anything left to give? Or have we used up our ammunition shooting at one another? Think about it. And, and a saint, you know who a saint is, is God's kids. That's you. We are the saints according to the Bible. It's those who put their trust in almighty God. Let us not use our time and our energy and our resources shooting at one another, our words, our actions, and tearing one another down. Matthew 18, 19 says, I also tell you this, if two of you agree down here on earth, that means you're of the same mind, you see eye to eye about things here, you're in agreement. It says, if two of you agree down here on earth, this is not when we get to heaven one day, <coughs> I also tell you this, Jesus said, if two of you agree down here on earth concerning, what's that next word? Anything you ask. My Father in heaven will do it for you. Now we've been here for, we're going on our 38th year of being here. And God gave us the name of our church, Faith Living Church. And I am telling you what I've seen in the last 37 years, God still answers prayer. And miracles happen, especially when you get a man, a woman, a family, a church in one accord. You get them united and praying together and in agreement. God's power is released. But when we're in discord, I rarely see much happen when we can't get along together. And Jesus said, I also tell you, if two of you agree down here on earth concerning anything you ask, my Father in heaven will do it for you. That's pretty powerful, isn't it? It's absolutely amazing. Imagine if more than two of us got in agreement. And we get in agreement with what he says in the word and we pray with one another in agreement and in harmony for situations. Wonder what would happen as God's power is being released. Now, I have something here for you. <clears throat> A picture. Pretty cool, ain't it? You probably can't see it, can you? <laughs> it's a lot of beautiful color. Can you see it? Let me see. Okay. Get rid of the shine. Uh, I'm sorry. You're going to have to take my word for it. It's a pretty picture, okay? <laughs> There's this beautiful house. It is just beautiful. And all the fall colors. And there's a waterfall and a little bridge. And there's swans as the, the stream is getting larger into a little pond. And all the beautiful rocks and the manicured lawn out there in the middle of the wilderness. Beautiful. Beautiful. And I'm going to give every one of you one of these pictures, okay? But here it is. And all you, all you, all you get is actually one piece of this, Okay. So you got to get in harmony, and our ushers will be up here, and they'll all have some of these at the door when you leave in a few moments, and you can take a piece. And this one right here, it don't really look that good. 
all by itself. But when it gets connected with all the other pieces, it is an absolute beautiful picture. And when you and I are in harmony, one with the other, and, and we're one, it's like, oh, wow, we make something that's fantastic and beautiful together. So that piece of puzzle, take it, put it somewhere in your home that you'll see it from time to time to remind you to strive in your family for, for unity because it becomes something beautiful when you're connected together in harmony. And, and let it remind you in the body of Christ. And there's people here that you probably just don't get along with. Probably me, you know. But we pray for each other and encourage one another and things like that, you see. And then God can work amazingly in us. Uh, let me read you something here in John chapter 15, verse 5. It says, yes, I am Jesus, I am the vine, and you're the branches. E each one of us is a, is a branch off the vine. Jesus says, I am the vine, you're the branches. Those who remain in me, in relationship with me, and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Verse uh, 7 says, but if you stay joined to me, you know, branch connected to the vine, if you stay joined to me and my words remain in you, listen to this, this is miraculous. You may ask any request you like, and it will be granted. My true disciples produce much fruit, and this brings great glory to my Father. So we must stay connected to him, and like the puzzle, when we stay connected to each other, people are going to recognize the love of God, how he cares for them. They'll know that we're Christians by our love, and they'll know that God has a plan for their lives when they see us loving each other. That's what he tells us, you know. Now what I want to do, I want to just play a song. I want you to listen to that song, and then we're going to pray, and we're going to close. So just be open. Maybe God speaks to your heart and encourages you a little bit through this song.
Leviticus 1. Because when we are united, there's great power of Almighty God released in our families, in our communities, in our churches, in our united states. When there is oneness and harmony and unity, amazing things can happen. And that's why the enemy of our soul was always trying to divide us over trivial stuff. How you spell a word, what color carpet you get, whether it's pews or chairs. And how many things in our lives, in our homes, does the devil try to get us upset and aggravated about? Think about that for a moment. But God has amazing plans for you. And I am so thankful each one of you are here today. And God has plans as we take what he says in his word and we apply it to our lives it genuinely changes things so what i want to do right now i just want to pray a simple prayer and if you already know jesus christ as your lord and savior if you're already united you're connected with him i want you to with me i want us to reaffirm our faith if you don't know him as your lord and savior would you join us right now and uh, welcome Christ who's knocking at the door of our lives. Would you welcome him into your life? He'll never force his way in. He comes in as we invite him to. But I would like us just to, to get well connected with our Savior who loves us more than you could possibly imagine or know. So let's just bow our heads together if we could. And I would like you to pray with me. Dear Heavenly Father, make us one. Make us one with yourself and with your son, Jesus. Make us one with your Holy Spirit and make us one with each other. We believe you sent your son, Jesus. And we believe he died in our place. And he paid for all of our sins. He was our whipping boy. We believe that Jesus rose from the dead and he's knocking at the door of our heart. We open wide those doors and we welcome Jesus in as our Savior, as our King, and as our friend. We are so sorry for our sinful ways. Thank you for being patient with us. Thank you for being kind. And thank you for being gentle. Thank you for making allowances for us. But we set ourselves this day to be in agreement with you. In Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. Now, if you prayed with me just now and you welcomed Jesus into your life, as your Savior, I'd encourage you to stop by our Connections desk. they got a little gift bag back there. It's got a Bible and some other little goodies uh, that would be an inspiration to you. Pick that up. If you're a guest with us today, let them know we got a special gift for all of our guests. You know, just one of our ways of saying thank you for coming, and we hope you come back. we got lots of um, more wonderful promises we're going to be talking about over the next several weeks that will change us and encourage us and and help us. So thank you for being here. If you need some prayer, 
There'll be folks around this altar who will pray with you. And the God who we serve is a God who still answers prayer. And would you greet one another on your way out? And don't forget, are our ushers ready with their little buckets to give you this beautiful picture that you are just a small piece of? God bless you. You, oh, wait, 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 wait. Hold on. Don't nobody move. Your weekly challenge, that's in the red, it says, I will strive for harmony with the believers in Christ, knowing that God's power is released when we are united in faith in Him. If you agree with that, for at least this week, check it off, drop it in the tithe box, and understand that on your bulletin, that's written down so you can remember what it was, because when you give it away, you might forget. And uh, also... We would encourage everybody who's involved with uh, ushers and greeters or who want to be, or if you're a member of Faith Living Church, you ought to be there. If you're just attending, you say, I'd like to get involved, you ought to be there at this dinner this coming Wednesday night. But please check it off so we'll make sure we have enough food for everybody. If you'd like to come to this meeting where we're going to talk about an area where we can show hospitality to the people that God brings into our midst. Okay, now, God bless you. You may be dismissed. Don't forget your puzzle piece, okay?
Stop tearing free.